You're listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast, where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. And this is episode 15, where your hosts, Brandon and Daniela. Hello, world. Hello. They say hello <laughs> to you as well, I'm sure. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Are uh, you fermenting anything? No. It's terrible, I know. Well, I've been attempting a few different things, new of things. Of course you are. I am a terrible, terrible fermented co-host. I am starting tomorrow. What are you starting? Um, I am going to... This is terrible because I've been saying this for every episode, I feel like, but I'm, I am really going to start a ginger bug. Oh, oh and okay. And I'm going to ferment kombucha. You're going to have to follow up with us when you actually actually get around <laughs> no, to No, I really that. am planning on doing this tomorrow. I but, have it oh, set. Oh, still planning though. No, it's it's on my to-do list. Oh, okay. Well, so, that's that's more legit then. Yeah. So really, next time you ask me if I'm fermenting anything, I should have something for you. Well, good. Well, in the meantime... And I think I do want to try some water kefir. Oh, okay. Well... I was sort of against it, but I think I'm going to try it. Okay. And see if I have any luck with it. Since you want some of my water kefir grains now, since I've destroyed them with using um, yeah. blackstrap molasses and Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out. I'm, they will go back to being whatever is, they are. Yes, I know you don't I like... I have no idea what you were thinking when you did that, but great for you. Hey, they're growing great, so I'll have extra grains for you to spare. Does it taste like metal? Sure, thanks. After a couple batches, it will be back. It, it kind of takes on whatever color and... and and sugar and different whatnot. It's just based on what kind of sugar you use. But yeah, so I, I do want to try um, water kefir because I, I, I realize I drink a lot of sweet stuff, um, not soda or anything like that. But I do enjoy water. I drink a lot of water. But then on, on, as a side, it's nice when I have, you know, kombucha or ginger beer or I want to try water kefir. I like my dairy kefir. I oh, really I love just drink too. water. But I have been, since I've been experimenting more, trying more, experimenting with caffeine-free kombuchas and, and doing all these water kefirs, I'm drinking a lot more sugar waters now lately, but I just really just need to get more of that sugar out of them so that I don't feel like I'm drinking as much sugar. I like the really tart kombuchas. I do too, though. Um, I, I find myself sometimes if I have a really sweet drink, I chase it with water, which some people at work make fun of me for it but it's just like it's so sweet it's like oh, i'm thirsty i need some water yeah i've always got to do a water chaser <laughs> it's kind of silly but yeah wait you do a water chaser too oh i chase everything with water i didn't know that yes i i need that so water even if chaser. you have milk kefir you'll chase it with water generally yes i mean wait, I've, what? Got to, I've got to clear my palate <laughs> you are so bizarre i just like my water i mean there are definitely some things i eat like I said, sweet things, but it's funny though. I don't feel that. Oh no, I do. If I eat a lot of chocolate, I still, I have to drink water afterwards. Another fermentation thing. Have you had any natto? Natto? No, I have not. Sounds like nato. It's with two <laughs> T's. So it's natto and it's Japanese fermented soybeans may have originally come from, from China a long, long time ago, but it's generally referred to as a, as, as a Japanese. Is this what you have been fermenting? I have, I've tried it for the first time. Oh, okay. And using go ahead and tell a, us about it. Using a natto starter. And it What's was, a natto starter? Uh, it's the, the bacteria that are... How does it come? comes as a powder. Oh, a powder. Okay. Where can yeah. you get it? I got it from Gem Cultures. Oh, okay. Although, since looking into it more... Because I, I have just not ever tried it. And I haven't even tried natto from the store or anywhere else. 
but you can just use fresh natto or not packaged natto and put that in. It's just a little bit different of a process. So it's just like using back slopping. I mean, you can use some fermented soybeans from a previous batch to make new. You don't have to use the the powder. It's just, it's a, it's a bacteria. It's uh, bacillus subtilis is what it is. So it's not a kind of rhymes. Yes. A lot of these little bacteria things have kind of cool names and it's uh, kind of a, I forget exactly what it's called, but a, a hay stack bacteria of sorts, because that's another way that it was traditionally fermented was putting soybeans with dried hay, which contained the bacteria, which would then ferment it. And there's even thought that... Wait, how do you put soybeans with hay? Like, just mix haven't it in? I haven't tried it, and I don't know how many people really do it that way anymore. <laughs> but just, like, mix some soybeans with some hay? I think you can probably just set it on top. It's probably more of, like, an insulation of sorts, because it also needs to be a little bit warmer. Okay. We'll cover natto more in the future, but I've just it's something I've been, I've, I'm trying. I think it started slow, so it was, you know, 12 to 24 hours and it got to the 24 hour period the 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 thing about it is it's stringy so it the it creates kind of this slime string around it so if you stir it with some chopsticks it kind of just like gets stringy and webby Wait, so it's kind of like is it a soybean still a soybean yeah the soybean is still whole but it, it creates the film around it which then just like which like just stretches and it just looks kind of slimy sounds very gross and disgusting yeah, well, also if it's fermented too long, I'll, well, okay, stepping so back. So you're agreeing with it's, me? It's gross and disgusting. No, I haven't. I haven't tried it with anything else. Um, Wait, you haven't, with anything else, you've tried it? Yes, I've tried it. Is it good? Well, before we get to that, I have not tried <laughs> it mixed with anything else like hot mustard or Ooh, that sounds good though. Um, you know, rice and different things. I've just tried it plain. But like I was saying, it was fermenting kind of slow. So it had been about 24 hours and it still was not very stringy. It was starting to form. It How started... did you ferment it? I put it in the dehydrator because it needs to be about 104 degrees Fahrenheit um, and incubated at that temperature. So I let that ferment. And again, at 12 hours, it's like it really wasn't being stringy at all. By 24 hours, it was a little stringy, but... Not quite as much as images that I've seen or and videos this is that in I've seen. Dehydrator that it's getting stringy. Yes, I'm not. It's not about dehydrating it. It's actually staying. It's in a closed container, so it's not. It's just about the incubation. Oh, it's okay. not using. Sorry. I'm just using the dehydrator as an incubator. And it was at 24 hours, and it wasn't very stringy, so I left it longer. And it, in I think I ended up leaving it for another six hours, and it was stringy then. At that point, I think it probably was turning stringier sooner than that. I think it might have gone too far, although... What a surprise, Brandon. Although, natto is definitely an acquired taste, and many people that are have not grown up traditionally eating it, it's it's oftentimes used as a breakfast food in, in Japan. I would not quite call this breakfast food yet. <laughs> you the best description I would say for this, because it does have a kind of a, a, a mild ammonia smell to it. Sounds delish. It's, it actually, it, it was good when I tried <laughs> you it You really sooner. are not selling this very well if that's what you're trying to do. I am not a natto expert, so I will continue trying. And and I'm I'm going to like this at some <laughs> it's point. It's like ammonia. It's stringy and slimy. I like the stringy and slimy, slimy section. I and mean, again, I haven't mixed it with anything else. You don't usually just eat it plain. But the first bites that I've had of it, 
stepping back one other last time, um, I did read some things online that if it doesn't taste good right at first, leaving it in the refrigerator for a few days can kind of mellow it out a little bit. So I'm trying that. I'm currently in that stage. So I am holding off judgment for a little bit longer. I am also holding off judgment until I try it again, try fermenting it again, because I think I just let this ferment too long. But it kind of tastes, now this might be a little weird, but it kind of tastes the way that manure smells, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Um, I get what you're saying, but the whole um, description of that is a little comical. How how, how do you know what the smell of manure can taste? It's just... No, when I taste it... You feel like you're smelling manure. Yes. <laughs> okay. You know how the olfactory, the nose, the smell, it's, it's very intertwined with our taste perception. And so I don't know if it's that ammonia coming out or like... like I said, you're really not... The earthiness <laughs> of the, the ammonia. soybeans. Manure. I did not... There you again. go, people. There you have it. Go try it now. I'm sure some of our listeners have made natto before and, and, you know, I know what didn't quite go right here just because I lost track of time. And that's sometimes important with some of these ferments. And when you tend to, you always tend to over ferment, it seems like, because you're so afraid of having it too sweet, too mild. So you tend to go overboard. No, this one, I just wanted it stringy. Oh, I I just feel like anything you've made, it's always been like the first initial step. Oh, I've kind of gone too far. Let's step back. It's like, why not go backwards? I did. I, I tried it earlier in the stage and it tasted good. Oh, really? When it wasn't stringy? When it was mildly stringy. It got mildly stringy at 12 hours. It just wasn't stringy enough for so my liking. So you like the taste then and then you let it sit longer. Well, it was and just didn't... kind of like an earthy soybean taste. Because you have to cook the soybeans for six plus hours first. Which may have been another issue that I had because I was thinking, well, since I've got a gas stove, I don't want to really be uh, using propane gas for six plus hours like that so i you know i could i do have like a little electric burner i could have just used that and that's probably what i'll do next time but i thought oh well maybe i can just put the slow cooker on high heat and and do that for hours and hours and hours and it definitely doesn't get cooked because you want the soybeans to be easily squished between the fingers it doesn't quite get to that point after six to eight hours in a slow cooker even on high so i ended up going for more like 12 plus hours uh, but it, it finally got squishable, so that could have had something to do with kind it too slow cooking me. the soybeans. What? It kind of reminds me of me and my my process in, in cooking in general. Just, yeah. you know, not really following the recipe, kind of just going with whatever. I follow the recipes. I just try different tactics that sometimes force me to follow a different direction. But it, generally, I don't. It's just something like, well, it's like, that's going to take six hours. How about I try something a little different? But... Next time I'll just use the little portable burner. So Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Hopefully um, the descriptions are going to be more appealing. Well, it's still, again, one of those things where if you it's, – it's a very split community of people that like it versus people that do not. So it's not surprising that it tastes a little weird to begin with. And so that's why it's going to take me a couple more times. Because I just confirm to confirm the smells and and then well, taste I know it's going to have some of that smell, some of that taste. Ammonia and manure. I don't know. Well, I I may not associate it with the smell of manure once it's not so fermented. Because I have read also that if it over ferments, it's not quite very good either. So I'll get back to you on that one. This is not an episode about natto. So um, what is the episode about? Well, we're going to get to Vili. Another stringy. 
Yeah, I figure we stay with the ropey, stringy stuff this time. I mean, I'm just kind of in the slimy stuff lately. Slimy (laughs) ferments. I mean, come on. They're pretty cool. Sure. But before we get to that, there was something in the news about chocolate as a prebiotic. So not exactly fermentation, except that chocolate is fermented. But for the gut, it can be helpful and useful as a prebiotic. And, and, you know, prebiotic, probiotic sometimes gets confusing but for the for the prebiotic it's just it's a um a non-digestible food so we don't digest it we're not absorbing it but it's good for the microorganisms in our gut and so it's it's it makes for growth of beneficial bacteria in our gut so prebiotic is something we don't digest but the bacteria do probiotic is having those bacteria live bacteria go be ingested so those are the kind of differences there but chocolate has flavanols and those flavanols are considered to be a part of uh promoting health and it's been in in recent studies and it promotes health through you know brain cell um formation and then also blood vessel formation oh i'm convinced chocolate's good for us well you're going to keep eating it no matter what i am but and hey. you're eating it because it's fermented, right? Sure, yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I think that the interesting part about this is recent publication in the Journal of Frontiers sees that there's the positive effect of that prebiotic interaction of the flavanols because um, it helps the bacteria in our, in our gut. It, it feeds of sorts. It, it kind of promotes healthy bacteria and demotes the not so healthy or helpful bacteria but i'm assuming this is dark chocolate of course not dark chocolate yes not milk chocolate it's things with high flavanol levels which is going to be dark chocolates that are going to have that and i don't know what the the ratio of is yeah like the amount of but you can help the beneficial bacteria in your gut potentially by eating more chocolate or maybe not more but eating chocolate just not feeling bad about eating it not I don't that think that I ever do, but I don't think the gut bacteria probably care if you feel bad or good about it. But just you know, when you eat it, it doesn't have to be a rationalization. But it, hey, it's always but kind keep of in interesting. Mind, you know, a Kit Kat isn't gonna do it. Probably not. No, no, no real flavanols in that. Not even really too much chocolate. And well, that that was my point. A lot more soy less, lecithin and different things like that. But so the other the other piece of interesting news is not food. But it does connect to that natto that I was talking about with the manure taste and smell. Yeah. But this is dealing with cow dung. So dealing with cow manure that doesn't smell bad. And it's through the act of fermentation that it makes it smell good. And we're not just talking about good, like good smelling manure. We're talking about good smelling manure that's used as a air freshener. Isn't that, oh, I was going to say, isn't that kind of like a compost? But okay, go ahead. No, this is fermented cow dung that's used as an air freshener. And it's two students in, I don't know, where was this? It was in um, Indonesia that these two students, these high school students, they fermented cow dung that they collected, unused cow dung, so it wasn't being used for compost or, or like any other reason. I think you unused. <laughs> well, it, well I, because, I mean, a manure is used no, often I, I, no, I know what for you different mean. things. But so it was unneeded cow manure these two students these two girls collected and they um let it ferment for three days they extracted the water from it 
they mixed it with coconut water. They distilled the liquid to eliminate any impurities that would be a part of it. And then um, the whole process took about seven days and they ended up with a liquid air freshener with an herbal aroma. So it kind of smells like how the cow, whatever the cows were eating is kind of what it smells like. Okay. That's very hard to imagine, but. But it's refreshing and herbal sense is much different than as this article was putting it, the toxic soup of chemicals that are in regular air fresheners. I don't really like air fresheners. I think they're disgusting and they give me a headache, but. Oh, I agree with you. Well, or perfumes or anything. Well, yeah. Per- yeah. I mean, anything. I live a pretty scent free life except for kimchi and different things scent. like that. I just don't like the. the, the artificial. Yeah. Artificial and just too much. Yeah. I mean, and, and some of those things that those air fresheners are linked to are things like am- asthma, uh, reproductive disorders and even lung well, they cancer. have to be i mean i i've been in cars that just overdo it and i did not feel well afterwards so it's like obviously my body is not responding well to it so so maybe this cow dung thing would work for you i mean they won a gold medal for the indonesia science project olympiad which is pretty cool and they're patenting it and uh it's going to cost half the price of a regular air freshener to produce that's awesome it really is just because all of that stuff just going down like it's the grocery store down an aisle of even like detergents. Oh, it's just, it's disgusting. Yeah. There's some stinky, stinky things. In, but something else that's not stinky, something that's actually doesn't have much of a smell at all, actually, but it's really tastes good is, is Vili. Nice, and nice transition, Brandon. That's our topic of this t- conversation today. And it's really, oh, I, I love Vili. It's so cool. Why do you love it so much? Well, I mean, it's, well, you know why it's like, it's a, it's a stretchy yogurt. It's an heirloom yogurt, something you can't really eat. Oh, even, so it's like a toy that you eat. Kind of. Are you familiar with Nickelodeon Gak? It's for like it's, from the I think I know 90s. what you're talking about, but I'm not a hundred percent certain. Okay. Well, it's this toy, which maybe is still available, but it's, it's this, I'll, I'll link to it, uh, a commercial in the, in the show notes of it, of kids playing with it a really cheesy 90s commercial but um cheesy <laughs> cheesy for yes for gak and it's it's just it's um a stretchy toy that kind of just like stretches very similar to the way that this gak or this vili stretches except that you can eat this you can eat this i don't think you can eat nickelodeon gak i've never tried it i mean i know kids can probably eat play-doh but not gak but it's it's really an intriguing texture and Yes, maybe that's why I like it the most, but it's that texture that kind of coats. I have a feeling that's what it is. Well, that texture coats the tongue in a different kind of way. So it's ex- experiencing the flavors differently. And, and it's it's a mild tart yogurt. It's much. It's more mild than Bulgarian heirloom yogurt or of the commercial yogurt available at the store, plain yogurt that is. It's, it's, a, it's a mild yogurt. Which is interesting because you tend to not, you don't strike me as someone that likes mild flavors. Um However, you seem to love this I, flavor that that's barely there, but sure has the most disgusting feeling in your mouth. So I'm getting the sense that you don't like Vili? No. Um, I mean, because it doesn't have a lot of flavor. And I, I mean, I, I like flavorful yogurts. And I never thought that I was the kind of person that doesn't like texture. I never understood people that didn't like certain vegetables or fruits because of the texture and i think i finally understand those people um this was the first time when you had me try the vili that you made 
I, it was, it felt so gross and it, it could be the, maybe I was associating it from like as a child, you know, when you like, I don't know, like when you're like six years old or something, it's not running down your, your, your nose and it gets in your mouth. Um, well, I had that happen. Okay. To I can't me. say I think of that as being something from <laughs> well, my childhood. That, that's what I think that's of. That's more really, of a Croatian childhood thing, right? Maybe. Um, but yeah, it's just, it just, the, the yogurt has such a gross feeling in my mouth. I'm afraid to like do anything with it once it's in my mouth. Like, I don't, I don't know if I should swallow it. Should I like try and taste the flavor? It's just, it's a little, it freaks me out. It's, so it's really like weird. When you're sick. Yeah. You have, like, mucus in the I back think, of your throat. Yeah. And I think I just uh. have, I associate it with so many things that, are wrong i feel like that i just can't stand it so i'm just really shocked that you're so in love with this well sliminess is something that's appreciated in some japanese cuisine and simpler to natto which is slimy as well this is just one of those things where yes even some this is a this is a finnish yogurt so it's from finland originally uh, wikipedia says sweden since wikipedia is always correct we'll just go with that but oh is it look it up and, and find out <laughs> that was a legit question but okay let's move on it was it's it's very much so a part of of finnish culture and now i mean it started being produced commercially in the 1950s so kind of went downhill for like people making it in their homes um as much it does still happen there are still people in in finland especially the older generations that are still making it every day or every week at home how did i eat it do you know it's eaten at breakfast. It's eaten as a snack. It can be eaten with rye bread and salmon is another good way to do oh, it. okay. But um, this is, it's similar. It's a, it's a Nordic fermented heirloom yogurt. So it's not something you can get in the, the store, but it's, you know, similar in ways to um, film yolk and Pima and Skyr and all those other Nordic yogurts that are mesophilic. Well, Skyr's not, but the film yolk and Pima, which are mesophilic yogurts. So they're they're brewed or they're fermented at room temperature. And Vili's one that can even go kind of a little lower in temperature. We'll get a little bit more into how, how simple it is to make a little bit later. But I mean, it can go down. It likes the 64 degree Fahrenheit temperatures. So it, it can go really low. I mean, the other ones are, the other mesophilic yogurts are generally like 70 to 78 degrees Fahrenheit. But the, the Vili, again, probably because of kind of where it originates the in in finland can be very cold winters um and so a little Maybe bit chillier that's what gives it the stringiness well the stringiness actually comes from uh, a specific bacteria and um so it's that thick viscous consistency is you know sometimes referred to as stretchy or ropey or stringy snotty I mean, snotty yes it's a very snotty yogurt um but it's it comes from the um, Lactococcus lactis subspecies cremoris, and that's what is the main creator of this this slime of sorts. Um, and now it is important to understand that there is like uh, to a certain extent slime in in all kinds of yogurt. It's just the way that it forms is different in each of these, so you don't experience it as slimy for some of the other things. But it's the same kind of thing, just different uh, ramification or different manifestations of that those kind of things that are going on, but it's specifically the lactic coccus lactis subspecies cremoris that is producing the, um, exopolysaccharides, which create this stretchiness. And, um, the exopolysaccharides are also referred to as phosphate containing heteropolysaccharides. And now just taking a step back, if we look at that a little bit more, 
the polysaccharides are chains of sugar. So it's chains of, of, of sugar that are um, being formed to create this stretchiness. And, and heteropolysaccharides, all that is referring to is it's more than one type of monosaccharide. And monosaccharide is the simplest form of sugar. So putting that all together, it's just long string, long chains, we'll say, of, of sugar of different forms of, of is it sweeter? monosaccharides. I don't remember. Is it, would you say it's sweeter from other yogurts? No, I, it isn't really because it's, it's, it's just that the, um, the major yogurt or the major bacteria that it, the, the Cremoris, the Lactococcus lactus subspecies Cremoris is, is different than say, um, Lactococcus bulgaricus and, um, or, uh, let me get those straight, but, uh, and then streptococcus, it's different than those that are say in Bulgarian yogurt. They all sound the same to me. <laughs> all of those scientific terms. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and, and they do similar things, but the, um, Lactococcus lactus subspecies cremoris again is creating more of these polysaccharide bonds and less of the lactic acid, which creates the tartness. So the sugars are being used differently. Is kind of how it comes down to. Okay. And so even although all yogurts are thickening to a certain extent, Pima being one that thickens less than most, it's more of a drinking yogurt. Some would not even consider it a yogurt, but whereas Vili is going to be um, a really weird consistency and in, in, um, in the way it is, it's sometimes referred to as an elastic yogurt. So it, it really does have that springiness to it to a certain extent. It's, it can be kind of a challenge to get it from spoon to mouth. Yeah. How it's, do you do that? Well, a good... Um, one, one test of it is it's that, um, you know, one quote is that at its best, the Vili should be so elastic. It requires cutting with scissors. <laughs> That's great. That's now, awesome. Now in reality, I don't think it takes, you can cut it with a spoon. You can break into it with a spoon and pull up, but it's so easy that if you don't get enough on the spoon, it will just pull the strings. will just pull at the sides and, and pull that right off you the spoon so before excited. it gets too it, it, it is. It's super exciting yogurt. It's so the this, most exciting would you say yogurt. this is by far your favorite? I like Pima and I like Vili. I like Pima for the taste and the drinkability of I it. I you were a Bulgarian type of person too. I definitely like Bulgarian as well. But for mesophilic, we'll say for mesophilic yogurts, again, mesophilic versus thermophilic. Mesophilic being um, room temperature, we'll just say room temperature yogurts and thermophilic being heat loving bacteria. They need higher temperatures. So we're talking, you know, well, if we include Vili, we're talking like 64 degrees to 78 degrees for mesophilic yogurts. And for thermophilic yogurts, it's like 110 degrees, 115. And so out of the mesophilic yogurts, yes, Vili and Pima are my favorite. Now, there may be other ones that I have not tried, other traditional yogurts. And this is where it's important, I feel, that we keep these heirloom yogurts alive. Because again, like I say all the time, direct set versus heirloom yogurts are different. You can call them different things, but it's a laboratory prepared. And I'd, I'd like to talk to a scientist at some point, microbiologist, and understand more of the reason as to why the um, direct set yogurts won't continue to work. Like, I'd really like to understand I, that deep, on a deeper I would actually understanding. Too. And so I really want to understand on a deeper level why direct set yogurts will only work a few times. Again, when I've done like, like what really, triggers them to not keep what, going kind of like fall apart way. and change it like, yeah. they'll continue to ferment and they'll continue to be lactic acid bacteria in there and it will just get a lot of times it gets more tart for me so it's like it's a it's a transition that kind of is is measurable and so versus these other heirloom yogurts which may have started in one form or another like some of the origin potentials of 
of Vili are, um, you know, uh, which aren't really necessarily the, the origins of Vili are not known, but one of the, the folklore reasons as to, as to how it came about was by letting the milk set in a freshly killed calf's stomach. The bacteria in the calf's stomach could have had something to do with it. Also, sometimes it was thought to be from the butterwort plant, which is a plant over there in, in Finland and in Sweden and other places that that could introduce the proper bacteria to the, the culture, to, to the fresh milk, to make it, um, Stringy. but what actually started these is kind of unknown. Most of these yogurts are hundreds of years old. We don't really know where they come for, come from for certain. We just know where they remain popular. And so in that sense, you know, there really kind of is important to keep some of these heirloom yogurts alive. Yes, we have kefir that has been shown that it can be reproduced in a laboratory. And another thing about kefir is the kefirin is similar to the vilian in uh, both our polysaccharide bonds. In kefir, it creates the grains. And in vili, it creates that stretchy ropiness. So same kind of thing going on, but totally different manifestation. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, but yes, so even though it has been able to be shown how Vili, or how kefir can be created in a laboratory, the original kefir, like creating the polysaccharide bonds in a in a lamb's or a calf's stomach of a bag or whatnot, and and kicked. We talked about that in our kefir episode uh, a while back, and even though that can be replicated, some of these other yogurts, we don't know exactly how it came about. So even if we know which strains of bacteria are the main producers, we may not understand the exact balance of those, or it may be that there are other bacteria that aren't being quite measured correctly, or even there's some of that transformative actions that bacteria kind of go in trading genes with each other and, and kind of morphing. And so like the, the, the way that bacteria are even separated may be not quite accurate. And so microbiologists are looking at bacteria in many different ways now. And so in a hundred years might be looking at this way differently than we are now. And maybe at some point, some of these yogurts could be replicated in a laboratory and then work continually forever. But there is that chance that if these yogurts are not perpetuated, that will be lost. And Vili is one of those that for especially uh, Finnish people coming over overseas, um, you know, this, this is, was a part, especially for, for older generations, those first and second generation, um, Finnish people coming over really important to have their Vili. And so some of the ways they were bringing it over, um, were by putting it onto a handkerchief, letting that dry and then rolling that handkerchief up. And then they would travel across the oceans in ships, slow, long voyage. And then once they got, they'd put the handkerchief into fresh milk and rehydrate their starter culture that is really cool and they'd have the vili that's awesome and the oldest were they not allowed i guess they just it wouldn't survive okay go ahead the oldest known starter culture or the oldest known vili culture that has been perpetuated um is from the early 1900s um it, i think in about 1900 is when the first one came and it was the kanunan family that brought that over other than that, there's probably others that are just as old or, or possibly not. Um, but like they went to Fort Bragg, uh, California. And so they were in Northern California. They had 14 children. 
they gave all of these cultures to all these children as well. And that's where the key to this really kind of comes in and where it came originally in um, Finnish culture is that things can go wrong from batch to batch of heirloom yogurt. It's not that things generally will. And if a person is very careful, you can keep things going, but you know, maybe something accidentally goes wrong and your batch of Vili is ruined. Now I tend to keep extras backs because I, I make it more than once a week. You have about a week like time period where it's still the bacteria are fresh enough to create a new one. So at least perpetuating it once a week is important, but I like to keep do it multiple times in a week so that I have extra that I can keep going uh, back to in case something were to go wrong. Now, most people aren't necessarily doing that, especially when there's 14 siblings, they can kind of just ask each other for it. Hey, my Vili ran or got ruined or I accidentally ate it all without saving any. Can I have some more? That's really how that one kept, kept alive because a lot of them were lost at different points because, you know, someone has something that, that, that just doesn't work. And so that's, where those came, that then turned into um, being passed down to the mother of Gordon McBride. Uh, the mother of Gordon McBride was one of those 14 children. And Gordon and Betty uh, Steckmeyer created GEM cultures, G-E-M cultures. I think it stands for something. That's where I got the Vili from. So it's over 100 years old, and it's been in the same family for that whole time period. But as I said, they kept it alive because they were getting it from aunts and uncles. And, and, um, if someone's didn't work, but now gem cultures has been keeping it alive, um, and perpetuating since the eighties. Um, they also do like a soy milk version of sorts. Um, but, uh, and I think it's the daughter of, um, of Gordon that now runs the company. Um, and that's who I got it from. And, you know, there's still like, if you, it seems to be a great place to get the culture and I'm really happy with the culture I got from them. It is, it, it's a pretty small website, you know, not, um, not pretty. Well, old, you know, I mean, I was making some websites back in the nineties and they didn't look Whoa. much different than that. So it just, <laughs> um, so just disregard the, the, the display but yeah i mean because it, it like the, the it came packaged well everything about it it's nice and they have like little written directions on how to how to make it the only thing i mean you just a little bit of you either mail in a check or email them the order that you want and they'll send you email you back a paypal um payment thing so there's not even like any payment buttons or car- shopping cart on on the website so it's it's a little old school but that's okay hey it still works they do they started out as tempe um culture starters so that's a what uh a tempe um tempe starter uh another soybean ferment so similar to natto and, and uh not similar to it but you know it's a it's a soybean ferment and um you know the i think the important thing to remember and to take from this is that if you get Vili from a friend, if you know someone locally that has it, or if you have to order it online, uh, which I will note that, you know, even though I get a lot of my cultures from Cultures for Health, this is one where I have a culture from, uh, a Vili culture from Cultures for Health, but it's not the same kind of Vili. Now there is supposedly short and long versions of Vili and Cultures for Health does mention that they do not have a ropey version of this on their website. Do you know website. why? Or I just wonder, like, why not? it's where they originally got it. Um, I had checked with cultures for health recently to kind of just really confirm that, 
you know, where are these heirloom cultures coming from? And they say they get them from friends or um, people that have had them in their families for um, long periods of time. So someone at some point, and I think there's different regions in, in Finland that do possibly do uh, the short version versus the long version. And short versus long, meaning ropey versus non-ropey and is I've kind of how I differentiate. It's fine. Yeah, the short one is just a mild, same kind of taste, but totally different texture. It doesn't have that gluey Makes consistency. Makes a big difference. Big difference, some. and it's just not quite the same. It's the 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 short vili is very similar in different in taste, but texture is similar to film yolk uh, or mazzoni. Um, I'd say it's probably closer to mazzoni in taste. So they're both just kind of mild. Um, the vili, the short vili, is a little bit sweeter too. Um, and, and I think the stretchy long Vili is, is sweeter too, but it just doesn't have that same, the texture just coats the tongue differently. So it comes off differently, but, <laughs> um, and it's good. Don't listen to Daniela. It's good. Uh, I think everyone should try it. I, I, I'm definitely not the kind of person that will, um, not try something and then just give it a bad rating or. Well, and I think I'll, I'll get you to try it again at some point. Mm, oh, I don't know that texture. I did not realize it, but that just really does it for me. It's just, it's just like moves around in your mouth. in just such a bizarre way. It's just like, what about mold growing on the top? Would that make you like it more? <laughs> really? Really? Well, I'm just saying, I mean, it's, it's, that is the one thing. The one challenge that I'm having is either my culture does not the culture that I have of Vili, the long stretchy Vili does not have the mold that's common in Vili and common in fin- uh, over in Finland in Vili. Maybe so the funny. Vili you're doesn't. Like you're looking for the mold. Well, it's 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 a traditional part of it. It creates a velvet-like surface, like a velvety surface on the top of the thing that you can kind of just peel off. And as far as I understand, it's edible, but you can peel it off too. Another thing with Vili making is using unhomogenized milk allows for a cream top to form on the on the top, which is prized, I guess, um, oh. as as a nice part. So I'll make it with some unhomogenized milk and have you try it again and see if you think it's different. But I would I'm searching for a mold that has the uh, or for a, a culture that has the geotrichum candinum is the mold that forms on the top. And so if anyone listening to this knows of where I could get some of that. I've checked all the stores that sell Vili and they, I can't find anywhere that actually sells the one with the mold. And what if it doesn't exist? What if it doesn't exist? Maybe, well, it could very well be that it doesn't transfer very well. Um, like maybe the mold doesn't last and it may, the mold may not have lasted dehydrating in handkerchiefs. And that's maybe why it's not in gem cultures version and then one day you like wake up and find mold just randomly i it has become a slight obsession trying to find this this mold and and so i don't know maybe i can just because it's also um uh, geotrichum candidum and, uh, and that's one that i don't know how to pronounce uh, for sure but it's as far as i understand it's used in cheese making as well so and in much of cheese making is no longer backslopped or or using um you know uh, previous batches of cheese to make the future batches. A lot of it is laboratory isolated bacteria that are used in the cheese making process in order to create consistency. And I know that that mold is used in cheese making. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of what specific cheeses, but maybe I could just introduce it and maybe it would stay a part of it. But it also, if this 
uh, culture itself is over a hundred years old and lived without it, maybe it would not accept it long term. Maybe it would abort it and and it wouldn't stay there. <laughs> Whoa! I don't wow. know. I'm really curious. I'm really trying. Did you I've, say abort it? They might get rid of the um, the the geotrichum candidum. I've been talking to people in Finland as well and trying to figure out, like through emails, trying to figure out how I can get this on there as well. And well, I'm uh, sure you let us know if you do get it. Cause... Well, I've also been in contact with the largest population of uh, Finnish people in the United States, which I did not know was the largest population. I uh, I found Who some... have you been in contact with? FinFest. Uh, I think it's fin FinFest2013.com or something like that. It's in June. There's a, a Finnish festival. It's up north from here. It's uh, in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And uh, we're in Wisconsin. So, you know, it's just like six hours north. And I guess nearly 17% of all Finnish Americans live in Michigan. I did not know that. And a lot of them live in this area because of uh, previous mining. And that's what they came over for was was to mine things. And so my guess is there's probably a decent amount of Vili there and probably different <laughs> strands of Vili. Um, I did not just again, go visit. Be like, I love Vili. I want to hang out with you. I will. I'd go hang out with some uh, Finnish people up there and, and try different Vili's and figure out how to how to use it differently because I love Vili. But I before I realized that that's where a large population, it makes sense that they'd have a Finn fest up there if that was the case. But I am in contact with them as well. And, and someone responded and they're going to check with their mother and see if um, see if she has any suggestions on how I can get that velvety texture on the top. I'm just, well, that's very nice of them. But yeah, yes. people have been very nice in trying to help with this. And uh, and the issue with trying to get it from, from Finland... Why do you want it so badly? More so at this point is because I can't find it anywhere. And that is part <laughs> of these heirloom cultures. It's like things just get lost and then how do you ever replicate them again? Like what happens if someone loses their last Vili culture that has the the mold in it? And then so no gonna, one can like, ever experience that again. To your children, be like, That's, save this. That is that is the plan, and that is to a certain extent what was um, voiced. And uh, I've heard Sander Katz uh, give a little talk about this a, a few different times in regard to uh, gem cultures. Again, talking uh, like uh, Betty was, you know, the the uncle of Gordon. I think was how that would have been. Uh, was on his deathbed. And he was, um, you know, the last thing he was checking on before he died. And Sander Katz gives this story much better. I'm just trying to remember (laughs) it. But it's that, you know, he was asking about, will you keep the seed alive? Um, You know, it's like, will you, uh, you know, like keep the Vili? And and that's another interesting thing is that it's referred to as a seed, seed culture in, um, uh, in Finland. And it's also... Different. And there's no no reason behind it. Just well, just it's a guy. seed. It's a seed that continues it, and oh, okay. it's different though. And um, language wise, I don't I don't know exactly the reasons that I can't remember in some of the research I was doing what it was, but uh, found mention that sourdough, I think it is, is referred to as a root. Oh wow! Like really? the root, not not a seed. So vili is the thing with the seed. I think it's the only fermented thing that has a seed, and so this this uncle on his deathbed was saying, you know, will you keep the the seed alive? And, you know, Betty had been keeping it alive for a long time with gem cultures. And so, you know, she assured him that 
she knew what she was doing and it'd be, it'd be taken care of. It was important that that continued on. And that's where this importance of these heirloom yogurts come in. And I'm not just being silly when I'm talking about like the importance of keeping Vili alive, because yes, you can get Vili in the stores in Finland, but in the United States, you can't buy it. But they're also just store-bought stuff. It's not the same. Yeah. And, and since again, and I can understand why in the United States, they don't sell it. Not many people would buy it. I mean, really, which is another reason to keep these things alive because if there are plenty of people that would enjoy it, but you can't get it commercially, which is another reason that makes it kind of exciting. And, and I especially don't think you can even get commercial versions of this in Finland with the mold on top. I just don't think that they probably sell it that way. And so that's another reason why I want to find this. And again, the reason why it's challenged to get from Finland, if anyone is familiar with um, mailing things and customs importation and, and different things like that, as far as I understand, I could go to Finland and come back to the United States with it in my luggage and it'd be fine. You know, okay. because you can bring cheeses and different things back. Homemade cheeses and everything is fine. It's from looking on, on yes, the website okay. and even looking in forums for other people that have done that kind of thing. But mailing it through the mail is a lot less um, for certain. I have not been able to find any clarification as to whether or not I could have. It seems like it's more likely, less likely to if I were to find a, a shop over in Europe that sold it more likely to be the case that if someone sent it from a personal address to another personal address, if it was non-business transaction kind of thing, I'd potentially be able to get it. But again, customs, it could get stuck somewhere along the line. That's last case resort. Well, I guess last case resort is just <laughs> flying to Finland and, and yeah. begging people for some seed. Um, but I'd, I'd like to find this. So if anyone has any information on that, I would, I would love to know um, how I can get some of that seed with the mold in it. Um, but again, remember it's important if you want to keep this alive, set, uh, like give it to all your friends, especially if you find any friends that actually like this stuff, try and convince them to start keeping it going so that if any one of you have it fail, then you can, you know, eventually keep it alive. Um, and ask your friend, be like, Hey, I need some of your Vili seed. So I think, I think we got it. And I think Brandon's also trying to say this applies to everything. Um, any of the heirloom. Yeah. So he's just a little too excited about Vili. Well, in my opinion, I, mainly because yes, it's, it's fun to play with, not really the taste. But no, it tastes amazing. But it, 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 if I didn't mention it already in the blog post uh, that I that I wrote, you can see me stretching it with a, my hand. Like you can just like it totally looks like gack or glue. It pours like glue, but it moves like gack. There and, you have it. Um, and it's really easy to make. Super simple to make. So that's another reason to keep it going and pass it on to all your friends. Because again, it prefers those cooler temperatures. So in the summer, it's going to ferment faster. In the winter, it's going to ferment slower. And it takes anywhere from like 12 to 24 hours. How do you ferment it? Well, you take, it's again, a backslopping process. So backslopping. No, I was asking what you do. Yeah, it's a process of backslopping. So you, you take a previous batch and put it into fresh milk. And the way that I do it is... I'm I'm still following the gem cultures way, which recommended two different bowls, which I can kind of understand, kind of not, because with two bowls you would be um, lowering the risk of having one not work and you still have another that does. Um, it'd probably be better to ferment them in different locations, maybe then if that was the case. But just take I take two small bowls, and I they they just need to hold a cup of milk each. So okay. I brew I make about two cups at a time. Although I have done in larger bowls as well. And that's like the, the photo in the, the Vili photo that I took uh, for the blog post was in a larger bowl. So I've done like twice or three times as much in, in the same bowl. And I think traditionally, sometimes it was done in wood barrels 
And at home, though, it's generally done in smaller things. And I read other places that some Finnish traditions in, in Finland are that everyone has their own separate bowl for their vili. So keep it within the small bowls. And so you take that small bowl, put two teaspoons, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be measured, I guess. Like a lot of times it's traditionally not like, I mean, you just take one spoonful in each, but I take two teaspoons and the interesting thing with Vili because of the texture, you can rub it up the sides. So you rub it on the sides. So you're just coating the outside or the inside of the bowl to the, uh, and then you pour milk, pour a cup of milk. And I don't measure the milk because I, the size glasses cups or gl- that I use, it's just, I kind of estimate where it goes. And then um, that Vili culture that's on the edges, because any other heirloom yogurt I make, it kind of stirred up. Even the short Vili, I just like stir that up and keep it going. But with this stuff, the Vili just from the edges kind of grows in. And so the Vili in the center, the milk in the center will take the longest to ferment. So that's another way to check. Even though if your uh, yogurt is thickened everywhere else, it may still be a little thin in the center. So that's a way to know whether or not it's fully fermented or not. So you want to get that to go all the way through. If you go too long, it's going to get really tart, but that's only if you go way too long or if the temperature is, is warmer. So definitely pay attention to that it could be done as early as six hours. I've in, in summers, warm summers in parts of the United States, it would be done a lot sooner, you know, or elsewhere. Um, and you could put it into, if you need a cooler spot, put it somewhere else. But a basement temperatures, general basement temperatures of like 50 to 55 degrees, that's going to be a little too cold. So do want it like at least 64 Just degrees. Just on the counter in the kitchen. Counter in the kitchen. Uh, you will want it somewhere cooler though in the in the summer. Otherwise it will ferment a lot faster. And uh, What's wrong with that? Just have it done really quickly. Well, as long as it, it, yeah. I mean, it may change the consistency if it's done too fast or or, or something along those lines. Um, but you really like, even in Finland where it can get pretty chilly at times, there's no incubator used or anything like that. I mean, it's just, it's really is perfect for cold winters and for, for, for making it that way. And in Finland, not so popular anymore, but they had actual cupboards that were solely used for the purpose of, um, of fermenting their vili. Why? And I'll try and put that in the show notes. Well, because it would keep it a little cooler uh, and less draft. Um, no, no disturbance. And they really... Because it's sleeping. Yes, it's sleeping in the cupboard, the Vili cupboard. And I'll try and put in the show notes a, a photo of a, from a scanned image of one of those um, old school cupboards that I don't think people probably do too much anymore. But if you wanted to recreate that, you could build your own Vili cupboard I mean, they were pretty big though. So, I mean, you might want to build like a little miniature cupboard. Maybe they were doing other things with that cupboard as well, but it's just, it's very interesting. It's a, it's very, it's, it's one of those cultures, yogurt cultures that was very prevalent in a human culture society, but no real history of where it came from. Not really known where it comes from. Maybe it was from a dead calf milk left to go rot in there or ferment in there. I don't know. Yes, where this actually comes from, I have not found any evidence as to, you know, if it can be recreated or otherwise. I mean, yes, you can create, I believe there is direct set Vili, although that is something I'm still going to have to look up. I believe there's direct set Vili in commercial production in Finland. It's not that they can't recreate it. I just don't know if you can perpetuate that long-term same issues that we have here with our Bulgarian derived yogurt that's commercially made. 
And something else I guess I'll have to try with it at some point is I wonder if it would strain. I don't I don't think with that consistency it'd really strain. No, I can't imagine that it would work. So making a Greek yogurt's probably out with that. But um But you should try just to see what happens. And yeah, take, and take yeah. pictures. Yes, strain it and take pictures and um, uh, take pictures of trying to eat Vili as well because, like I said, it can be kind of challenging, especially if you're not used to doing it, getting it from on the spoon to stay on the spoon. Um, And it's kind of stringy, like, you know, you might have a string hanging down your mouth until you get good at at really separating that. Um, You really are selling this. It's awesome stuff. And, you know, one thing that's sort of yogurt that you, uh, because like we said, we're going to try and do a few more recipes. This one's not as much a recipe. It's more like a, just a little something you tried. And it Isn't is that delish. Right? Uh, you found a recipe for, what was it for? For almond? It's ferment. It's, well, it's almond yogurt. It's, it's a, um, you, you essentially grind up some almonds and put it in with a, a starter and it ferments it into like an almond yogurt and it's it's very delicious. Well, so the difference here it sounds as though you whereas I've seen almond milk yogurts. This is not an almond milk. This no, is actually No, this is an actual almond you like making you, a, you, a little slightly, you take off the skins. You have to soak them in water. I soak the almonds in water for at least 6 hours and then it's um and then, then you, you just, grind them up but the, the issue is grinding it up so that it's really fine because um, the batch that um, I tried is um, the almonds aren't ground completely. I mean, they are, you could just, there's a little texture to them, but they're still very good. I really like that. I like think a small a, food processor probably works better for the grinding. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, probably. Um, but this stuff is delicious. It's, it's not like very, it's not very smooth. But it's still so good. It, it has a different see textures. Here we go. It has a different texture that I really enjoy. But yeah, the texture, I really, the texture re- is a little too grainy. But I know. really liked it. I, I think it's delicious. So it, it's essentially fermented almond. Yeah, it's just one cup of almond. I've got the recipe in front of me. It's one cup of almonds. Um, you know, and a half teaspoon of dairy yogurt starter. They did say if a person is trying to do it for vegan reasons, you could use a a non dairy yogurt starter. Um, but then using one teaspoon of, of sugar, if a person wants, I don't think you did that. No, but, um, it doesn't need it because it tastes no, good. Because I, I mean, sugar, I think is fine. It would just be more than like a dessert. I mean, it would be just a different, but different, soaked different almonds dish. alone taste a little bit sweeter. Yeah. I, I think almonds are sweeter or not. No, but, but sweeter when they're soaked. They taste different than when they're, but I think even rough. almonds in general to me, I've always thought of them as a little I like the way they taste better when they're soaked and they're supposed to be more digestible. And so when you're fermenting it for like a while, then this makes it even better. The only thing, well, this makes me like want to try other nuts. This was fermented for about eight hours and, um, you use the Pima heirloom yogurt as opposed to a, like a regular yogurt. Well, I mean, just because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I make sense. Um, but just using what, so using any yogurt would work. Yeah, and any yogurt starter and um, uh, try other nuts too. I don't know if other nuts would really work so like well. hazelnut? That's my next attempt. Yeah, the, yeah I mean, it. try it. I mean, the, the, I think really the, the I think the hazelnut is going to be delicious too. Maybe. Yeah, I just, yeah, it, it might be. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I'll, I'll definitely update everyone. Yeah. And I, again, I think the interesting thing about this is if you've ever made almond milk yogurt, which I don't know how well that would work either, but since I don't think it would really thicken at I all. I think I'd be curious to try it though, because I realized um, when I found the the fermented almond yogurt, um, I was trying to find other recipes similar to that, just so I can compare a few different ones. Noth- I couldn't really find much besides the, the almond milk. And so I'd be curious just to try that too, just to compare. But I really like the almonds and I, and I like the grainy texture, whereas you don't. Well, the grainy texture, like... I just think, I don't think it was meant to be that way. I no, and I don't think the, so. It the is food either. processor was too large, so it's not able to put the pressure on it the same way. But the thing to like to understand, I mean, the reason why that's thick is because it still has all the pulp, the almond pulp in it, as opposed to being like strained out. Uh, because I think any almond milk, but it's yogurts, such a great texture. Any almond milk yogurts or coconut milk yogurts in the store usually have thickeners of sorts to get them more similar to regular uh, yogurts, uh, dairy yogurts. Yeah. So, but I mean, I wouldn't. I don't mind a, a thinner yogurt either. Yeah, and that's where I think it's just. Um, but I, I just want to compare, try and compare some, and and also try other nuts too. Yeah, I mean, so, even like walnuts or just. That'd be just something to totally, you know, off the wall. What if it's like amazing? Maybe it would be. And I don't know. Like, I don't think this Ooh, is, again, something that could perpetuate. Start up selling bizarre yogurts like walnut yogurt, hazelnut yogurt. So you're talking not flavored that way, but non-dairy nut yeah, yogurts. Like, exactly. Nut like n- yogurts. Like nut yogurts. But not nut milk yogurt, nut exactly. pulp yogurts. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Pulp. Well, you start ex- actually experimenting with that stuff. We'll see if you yeah, get to the that's... ginger beer and the the almonds and. Nut I, I'm really going and... to. That's definitely something I've I've. I mean, I'm definitely more excited about the the almond yogurt and other nut yogurts now because this was amazing. I didn't actually think it would be very good when I read the recipe, but it surprisingly is. I'll try them, but I'm plenty busy with all the heirloom dairy yogurts that i keep alive and keep as pets so <laughs> i'll be busy with those but i'll yes. I'll try it i'll i'll try all your nut yogurts oh i know you will and uh so if you want to see that recipe a link to that um i think it was something like india healthy recipes.com or something like that you yeah i know it's funny you just I, found it on pinterest correct yeah i found it on pinterest yes. yeah um so there's oh and that's yeah i don't think i generally mention our pinterest page but like i say you can find us anywhere at firm up and so it's the same with pinterest.com slash firm up that's where you'll find me randomly pinning things that i find are delicious or just interesting you occasionally pin things there i'm usually the one having to pin it more I think. That's not true. Oh, That's you, totally okay, my thing. More. So if if you start seeing a lot more things pinned, I, I try to. Well, I you try to pin, pin stuff on Pinterest. I pin stuff on. I have never seen you pin anything. Yep. Hey, got to keep that firm up uh, Pinterest account full and going. And so if you want to uh, catch up on any of the the show notes, you can go to firmup.com slash podcast slash fifteen. Yes, we are at to episode fifteen already, and we have uh, on Twitter firm up and facebook facebook.com slash firm up you can find us anywhere and everywhere that fermentation happens and uh we will and maybe in your closet too that's just weird what do you mean (laughs) i was being creepy are you fermenting things in your closet no um but yes we are 
firm up and it's been another great fermentation week. We will see you again next week. You will hear us next. Here, see, firm up. Bye.